Good evening. I hope you're all doing well. Um, we are learning Baruch Hashem, the final blot of Maseches Yevamos Daf Kufchav Beis, and we're starting three blot from the three line ex, lines, excuse me, from the bottom of Kufchav Aleph from Beis at the two dots. We've been discussing the level of trust that we have in in a goy to speak Mesiach Lefitumo. Mesiach Lefitumo, as a reminder, is when uh, a goy speaks with no ulterior motives. He's making a passing comment, and sometimes that is acceptable in halacha to rely upon. And we're going to see a couple of Gemaras like that. There was a non-Jew uh, who said to a Jew, You need to cut down this particular feed for animals and feed it to my animals on Shabbos, which is, of course, an Isr Do Raisa. So the Goy says to the Yid, you need to cut down this uh, food for me, and uh, and if you don't, I'm going to kill you, just like just like I killed another Jew. I asked someone to cook me a dish on Shabbos, and I killed him. So how do we treat that comment of the guy? He threatens person one with murder, and he says, just like I killed person two. So do we consider that to be Mesiach Lefi Tumo, yes or no? And the Gemara says, then the, um, the person, not who was threatened, but the person who, while he was threatened, he learned that someone else was killed, that person's wife. So she went to Abaye and says, what should I do? Am I still married? Yes or no? So the Gemara says, Shahisa, uh, they had to wait, turning to the top of Kuchav Beis, Amr Aleph, they had to wait for three regalim. Why did they have to wait for three regalim? So Rashi tells us on the top of the page, That was one of the times that they asked questions. It doesn't mean that there were never, we know that Vate didn't were common on Mondays and Thursdays, but apparently these kinds of shilas were of limited scope and you could only ask certain people. So uh, they didn't yet know the answer. You need to go ask Rav Yosef, his knife is very sharp, obviously a, um, a metaphor just indicating how sharp his mind was. So here's how Rav Yosef answered. They went in front of Rav Yosef and and they were able to determine whether or not our previous comment was for a guy by saying, if, I, if you don't uh, do what I what I asked you to do, I'm going to kill you just like I killed that person. Is that considered Mesiach Lefitumo for that other person? So he says it's not. Let's say that there was a non-Jew who was selling fruits in the marketplace. That if an Ovid Kochavim, when he's trying to sell something in the market, if, he's, uh, if he says that these peros are orla, or if he says that they're azika, discussion about what azika is, is it a type of sweet fruit? Rashi seems to say that it's a location in Eretz Yisrael. Take a look at Rashi. Is that Rashi who said that? Um, it wasn't Rashi who said it. Um, Tosu speaks about this a little bit. Either way, whatever azika is, it's uh, some type of sweet sweet fruit or a location. And if you want us to say it, shalnet the halacha is lo amarklum. We don't, we don't trust a goy at all. And therefore, uh, we, uh, the, we don't trust him over there. We also don't trust him in the case of the threat, in which case if uh, a man says, I'm going to kill you just like I killed somebody else, then that is not considered edus. Why is it that we don't trust this guy who's selling fruit in the shuk? Because he has a one-track mind. All he wants to do 
is make money, and therefore he's not trustworthy. It's not considered to be Mesiach Lefitumo. So let's find another case where maybe it was Mesiach Lefitumo. We're eight lines down on Kufchaf Beis Amad Aleph. Abayudin Ishtzaidan Omar, this is a person, Maisebi Yisrael Ve'obed Kochavim, a Jew and a non-Jew, Shehalchu Bederach, they were traveling together. Ve'obed Kochavim Ve'amar, and the non-Jew said, seemingly Mesiach Lefitumo, in passing, and he says, Nebuch and the Jew who died uh, while I was on a path with, with him, and I buried him. So he says to Jew number one, I buried a Jew number two. Before you showed up, I buried someone. That's considered and we do allow him, his wife, to remarry based on that because there is no ulterior motive here. And as well, a collection of people, they were traveling to the city of Antuchia, and a non-Jew said, I feel so terrible for what happened to this group of people, and there too, that comment of a goy is considered to be and therefore, was that all of the wives of those people were able to remarry. The Gemara continues with Shuv Beitar. There were 60 people who were walking in this location. And he buried all 60 of them. And the halacha is that all of them can remarry. So it seems as a conclusion from our Gemara that if we're able to prove if we're able to really cl- clearly show that the comment of a goy is really Mesiach Lefitumo, then the halacha is that he has na'amonos, or it's not so much that he has na'amonos because he can't really be an aid, but his words have value because it's innocent. In fact, we rely on the principle of Mesiach Lefitumo by a goy all the time in Kashras. There are a number of principles that we rely upon to trust a goy who may own a business, to say that a food is kosher or not kosher. One of them is Mesiach Lefitumo, um, Another is Uman Omari, say that let's say, for example, uh, uh, you know, the, the famed discussion about Oreos. Are Oreos, the regular single Oreos, are those considered milchik? It says O-U-D on the container. Uh, I actually called Nabisco myself once to test the system. And I said, if a person is deathly allergic to milk, um, is there any risk in them eating Oreos? Now, this person's a goy. What kind of edus do they have? That doesn't uh, work. And it's also not Mesiach Lefitumo because they have a, a motivation for me to continue buying their products. At the same time, there's something that offsets that risk, which is that Umano Marium Nase, that they don't want to ruin their business. And if, God forbid, a person would have a negative reaction to uh, an, an allergen in their food, that would be a big problem. So the person on the phone said to me that there is no milk product whatsoever in there. It's just made in a facility that has milk. So Allah Chalamai said that's why there are those. Who, uh, who eat Oreos when they're otherwise fleshic. You shouldn't eat them together because it's made in the plant that way. But Ladina should be fine. It's not a good protocol to advertise to people that things that are OUD are not necessarily uh, actually dairy because people who may not know the difference may not know how to apply those halachos. But this is just an example of some of the halachos. That brings us to a new Mishnah. Not quite the last Mishnah, just uh, two left, three left, it seems. Yeah, three Mishnahis left, and then we'll be done with the Perik, we'll be done with the Masechta. The new Mishnah reads one-third of the way down. We're allowed to give testimony about a person's death, 
using a candle or using moonlight, doesn't have to be during the day, and we're also allowed to give, uh, allow a woman to marry based on a basco. This isn't your classical basco like we're used to hearing because we know that we don't paskin from a basco. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi's almost halfway down. The first one on this new Mishnah, Dibur HaMaskal Al Pibasko, Shamu Kol Tzoekes Ploni Meis, Beloro Adam Bitsalmo. We heard a person call out saying, Ploni Almoni died, but we didn't see the person talking. So that's what this case of Basko means. My Echa, the Mishnah continues, there was a story about a man, Shaman Al Roshahar, he was standing on a mountain, the Amar, uh, and he said, Ish ploni ben ploni mi makom ploni meis. He said, Ploni almoni from the city of X, that person died. And Halchu, they went to go see who, the, who was talking. They couldn't find them. And Halacha is Bisio Asishta. They allowed for the marriage to happen. We assume that that person was speaking with integrity. Um, and as well, a man says his name. He says, uh, Ploni ben Almoni. And Nashcheni Nochashi was bit by a snake and he knew he was going to die. And they went to go look at him. They didn't know who he was. It didn't matter. We allow for that woman to remarry under those circumstances. Amar Rabba Bar Shmuel. Let's analyze this Mishnah. We see that there's a machlokas beishamai and beishelal about this topic, whereas our Mishnah presented it as a dover pashut. So says the Gemara, Why are there two Mari Makomos here? We don't we don't need both Mari Makomos. We either need our Mishnah that's written stam, or we can have the Mishnah beishamai beishelal where we know we paskin like beishelal. But why do we have to have multiple Mishnahs? Says the Gemara because I didn't want you to misunderstand. My Kamashmalan must needs and he the Gemara responds three lines into the wide lines. That if a person would in fact find a Stam Mishnah that would side with Beishamai, that would be Beishamai, and we don't paskin like him. Two dots, uh, the Gemara says, We said that there was a person who called out on the mountain and we weren't able to find him, and we said that a man could marry based on that. The Gemara posits, Maybe the person, maybe the person that um, that they that had called out wasn't really a person. Maybe it was a shade. It was a demon. So says the Gemara. Amar of Yehuda Marab she adam. It seemed that the shade uh, that this demon actually had the shape of a body. Says the Gemara. That's not surprising. In Hunami Damo, they look like people. They're just shaded. They have a, the shape of a body. Says the Gemara, that's not, uh, it's not true that they're exactly like people, the Chazulo Bavoa, because we saw that there was a shadow and a shade, it doesn't have a shadow. Says the Gemara, that's not true. Two thirds of the way down. But in Hunami Islahu Bavoa, a demon also has a shadow. Says the Gemara, the Chazule Bavoa de Bavoa, a person had a double shadow, lights coming in different directions can cause for two shadows. That's only true for people. And it's not true for Shadim. Says the Gemara, Vidilma Lididhu Islahu. Bavoa, bavoa, that maybe there was in fact by Shadim two, uh, two shadows, says the Gemara. It's not correct. Amar Abchanina, Amar Li, Yonasan Shida. Yonasan Shida was either a shade or he was an expert in Shadim, uh, one of the two. And what did he say? Bavoa Islahu. When it comes to a demon, we assume that they do have a shadow. However, Bavoa de Bavoa, a double shadow less Lahu. And therefore, the Gemara says that it must be that it was not a shade and it was a person. Says the Gemara, the Dilma Tsara Havoi. 
Maybe it was a comment that was made by the tzara or some type of ruse that was built by the tzara to ruin, to ruin that wife. Says the Gemara, If there's a shas sakana, if there's something going on, then we are allowed to trust this voice, even though we are not able to see who it is. And that is how the Gemara concludes over here. That brings us to uh, the second to last mission in the Perak, also two thirds of the way down. And it's a quote that we've seen before already. Amar Rabbi Akiva, Kshirati Lenahardala Aber Hashana. When Rabbi Akiva was traveling to Naharda in order to help them with all of the mathematics of building an Ibriyor, of adding another month to, uh, to a Jewish calendar, Matsasi Nechemia Ish based to leave. I found this person, Nechemia. Amar Li. Nehemiah said to me, to Rabbi Akiva, I understand that you only have one shita lakula, and that's the shita of Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba. What did Rabbi Akiva say back to him? You're correct. Only Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba agrees to that. Omar Li, he says to him, I want you to say in my name, I want you to say the following. You should know the country that I live in is a pretty crazy place. And I understand from Rabbi Gamliel Hazakin that we are allowed to allow a woman to marry based on the ages of one person. And when, says this person, that he presented this information to Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Huda ben Bava is no longer alone in his psaq that a woman can remarry. While they were discussing this, Nizka Rabban Gamliel, Rabban Gamliel was reminded of a story, that people were killed in a location called Tel Arza. And he remembered a case where there was a psaq accordingly, where a psaq came out that women could remarry based on the edus of one person. Rabbi Kiva Omer, I disagree. Uh, sorry, I think I skipped a line. I did. Uh, and the Gemara says, And then they decided that a woman can uh, remarry based on aid, one witness from another, a very, very broad leniency. Uh, Rabbi Lazar Verb Yeshua wanted to tighten the bow a little bit. That was a little too much. It's not correct, but maybe some of the others are allowed to give this. Rabbi Akiva Omer, lo al pi isha, lo al pi eved, lo al pi shefcha, lo al pi krovim, a very limited scope uh, of leniency. It doesn't really allow for any of these things to take place. Says the Gemara, v'sava Rabbi Akiva al pi isha lo. Does Rabbi Akiva really hold al pi isha, that a woman is not allowed to give edus, edacha, to free up to get married? Says the Gemara, after all, v'hatanya, we have a complex price over here, which says as follows. Reb Shimon ben Elazar Omer, Mishum Rabbi Akiva. In the name of Rabbi Akiva, it was said as follows. A woman is na'emenes to say that a get was brought from the following kalvachomer. Just like a woman, the Chachamim said, she's not Ne'eman to say that a husband dies, but she is to say that she got a get. Then one who is trusted to say that a man, that her husband died. And from this Kalvachomer, the Gemara infers, it's only the woman herself who's problematic, but a general woman, Isha Alma, the Edus of a woman who isn't Nogeabadabar, she's not a Tzara, she's not the woman herself, she's just a passerby, and she knows that the woman should be able to get married. Absolutely. Mehemna, 
So says the Gemara that Rabbi Akiva seems to be so himself from our Mishnah to this Mishnah, that, this Brisa that's quoted in the Gemara. And the Gemara says, Lo kasha, don't worry. Kan kodem kan our Mishnah, where it says that he's strict, that's after he changed his mind. But in the Brisa, where he was more lenient, that was before he changed his mind. So it's okay that Rabbi Akiva has two different shitas. His shita was developing and it, uh, it ended up being written down in both forms. Final Mishnah of the Masechta. Amrulo, they said to him, Bnei Levi went to this place of Tzor, which was uh, the city of Tamarim of day trees. There was someone who got sick from the Bnei Levi. And they put him in an inn, uh, in a place to recover. And they left him there and they went to go do whatever they needed to do. He was uh, holding down the travel, so fine. Says the Gemara, then they were coming back on their way home and on their way home, and Pundakis, They went back, they saw the innkeeper standing outside, whatever she was doing. They saw her and they said, Where's our friend? And she said, I'm really sorry. Numis, she responded, Numis Lahem Mes he died, unfortunately, and I buried him. We trust her opinion enough to allow um, that man who died that his wife should remarry. Says the Gemara Veloto, hey, Kohenes Kipundakis. Shouldn't it be that a regular Yiddish girl, Rashi here highlights that it's Lav Davka, Kohenes, it's any Jewish girl, shouldn't she be just as strong as a Pundakis? And we have all these Shitas in the previous Mishnah. Do we trust a woman doing that? Trust? We trust a Pundakis. She's a God. So if we trust her, why can't we trust a Yid? So says the Gemara, Omar Lahui said back to them, that's great. If you want to say, if she was as detailed as the Pundakis was, then I would definitely agree with you. Why? What did the Pundakis do that was indicative of Ne'emanus? So says the Gemara, she had all of his garments, she had a Sefer Torah that he was carrying with him, and therefore she had Ne'emanus. In other words, it wasn't so much about Edus, it was just about she brought evidence, and the evidence itself was pretty clear that that was the case. Final turn of the page. We are on the top of Kufchav Beis, Amud Beis. Baruch Hashem, the final Amud of the Masechda. My griyus of the Pundakis, why is it that the Pundakis is considered lower than the Jew in this particular case? It was implied that way in the Mishnah. Amar of Kahana, Pundakis Ovedas Kochavim Haisa, Umesicha Lefi Toma Haisa. She was Mesiach Lefi Tuma. She was just uh, responding to a conversation and says the Gemara, what she had said was, as quoted in the Mishnah, Zema Kalo Vizet Tarmilo Vizet Kever Shekavartiv Bo. This actually quotes things a little different than our Mishnah. This is his walking stick. This is his coat. And here is the place where I buried him. That what was the case over here? Why is the Pundakis different than the Jew? Pundakis It's just that she was. Says the Gemara, I don't understand. She wasn't really Messiah Lefitimo asks the Gemara. They started the conversation. They said, Where's our friend? And maybe instantly in her head, she was angling to try and say something that would be difficult for the Jews. So maybe it really wasn't Messiah Lefitimo. Says the Gemara, that's not really what happened. Here's what happened. When she saw them walking up to the inn, she started crying. And then once they saw her crying, then they said, Uh oh. Where's our friend? 
And only then did she respond, So that is considered The Gemara leaves an implication that if the conversation was started by a Jew and then the Goy was that it's different than if she first was the one who reacted to something and really only purely shared her feelings that way. Tanu Rabbanon, we're about uh, 10 lines down on Kufchav Beis and Beis. The rabbis taught us in Ebrisa. A man wanted to give testimony about a woman in front of Rabbi Tarfon. So Rabbi Tarfon says to the aide, how do you know about your testimony? And there was some troops, some bad guys who were chasing us. And he grabbed onto the branch of an olive tree, and he tore it off. And he kind of used it as a bat, to just swinging it at, uh, at the enemies to push them back. And after the, uh, the people were too scared, after the guys was too scared, they ran away. So then I said back to this woman's husband, Amartilo, Arye, you are a lion. Which is, of course, the right way to say Yasher Kochach, but no one should ever talk that way, socially off. But the word is Yasher Kochacha. Fine, he says, great job. Omar Lo, the guy says, how'd you know my name? My name is actually Arye. That's what they call me in my city. That's what my name is. They call me Yonasan Barimi Yonasan Arye. And he's from the community of Shechia. Liyamim, just a couple of days later, this person got sick and died. And because we knew who he was, we knew his name, and we knew that he was alive at one point, and now they're saying about him that he died. That his wife was allowed to remarry. Asks the Gemara for the final halachic sugya. And this was a question that uh, my father asked a couple of weeks ago, and I said we'd get to it, and here we are, is as to whether or not we need to push and challenge the Edim. How much do we have to challenge the Edim to verify their story? Says the Gemara, we're halfway down a little bit more, four lines into the middle width lines of Kufchav Beis, Ahmed Beis. Don't you require an analysis? Don't you have to interview and question and grill the witnesses to see that they're actually making any sense? Says the Gemara, Vahatanya, after all, and Amar Lo, he said, And Amar Lo, he repeats the whole story. This is Drisha Vechakira. We're walking on the path. And this time it was a different tree, the fig tree. He tore off some wood. And he says, wow, good, you got, you got my name right. Amar Lo, and then the story continues. And Amar Lo, Lo wasn't he from the city of Aryeh and not from the city of uh, from the other city that was mentioned earlier, from the city of Kfar Shechia? Says the Gemara. Amar Lo says back to Tarfon, No, Lo His name was Yochanan ben Yehonasan He pushed him. Rabbi Tarfon pushed him a few times. And when Rabbi Tarfon pushed him a few times, he ended up saying the same thing over and over again, which therefore makes him trustworthy. That is Drisha Vechakira. And says the Gemara, if that's true, that there's Drisha Vechakira, and then the Hisi Rabbi Tarfon is Ishto. So how can we? How can we ever say that Rabbi Tarfon doesn't require Drisha Vichakira? It seems that he does from this story because he asked him so many times, what was the guy's name? Tell me the story again and again. And then says the Gemara, you're right. Really the discussion of Drisha Vichakira 
the standard by which we trust and aid, it really does require Trisha de Chakira, according to some. Tanoihi, it's a machlokas tanoi. The Tanya the Brisa writes, Ein bodkin Rabbi Akiva was of the opinion that when we are analyzing Eide Noshim, the Eidim for a woman to remarry, we do not need Risha Bechakira, Rabbi Tarfan Omer Bodkin. And what is their machlokas about? As to why it is that there's a machlokas about needing Risha Bechakira, that depends on another machlokas. Really, when we're dealing with things that are financial, or we're dealing, of course, with things that are dina nefashos, then we need to fully interview and interrogate the witnesses. That they, everybody has to have one din and everyone has to be analyzed properly. But the Chachamim said <coughs> their own <coughs> leniency is that when it comes to dina mamanis, the Chachamim uh, they said, you really don't need to do Trisha V'chakira, even though technically it's required Ladina, but they were very makel to allow it. Why were the Chachamim very lenient? Because if we were ever so strict with the Edus of Dine Mamanis, then Shalotino Delis Bifne Loven, then people wouldn't lend out money anymore. It's so hard to lend out money. Everyone's going to come with Edus and the people are going to lose out. The lenders are going to lose and that's not worth it to them. They're just going to stop lending out money. What's the machlokes? When it comes to our case, as to whether or not, when it comes to Edus Isha, if we do Drisha V'chakira, according to the first approach, since there's the Ksuba, that's Kedine Mamanistami. Because we're talking about something that has a Ksuba, there is a contract with financial aspects to it, which is the Ksuba itself, the Masayim Zuz. So therefore, we treat the Ksuba like like Dine Mominus, and the Chachamim were lenient by Dine Mominus, but Shalotino Delis Bifne Lovin, so that people who are lending money would not be hesitant to lend money. However, Umar Savar, two lines from the bottom of the page, Umar Savar, Oh, so there's a fundamental Chakira. Do we say we need Drisha by Chakira? Do we need to interrogate witnesses when it comes to Edom who are trying to enable a woman to marry? It depends. Do we look at that at a woman's relationship as it relates to her Ksuba and its Dine Mominus, in which case there's no need for Drisha by Chakira? Or do we say, no, we are dealing with Dine Kares, Dine Skila, Dine Harrigan, Srefa, whatever the consequences would be for inappropriate relationships. And therefore, it's Dine, Dine Nefashos, and therefore we do need Drisha by Chakira. That's the Machlokas between them. Um, yes. And then, of course, the Gemara concludes with a well-known piece of Gemara at the end of a number of Masechtas, the very last line of Masechtas Yevamos, the people who are the students of the wise, they bring more peace into the world. And the Gemara quotes a Pasuk to support this. According to some of the Mephorshim and the Tfusim here, it actually should have the whole drasha, uh, like we see in other Masechtas and Masechtas Megillah and in some other ones as well. Actually, Brachos, Krisus, Tamid and Nazir, all of them do speak with this language at the end of the Masechta. Hadran alacha isha basra uslikala meseches yivamos. Mazel tov to everyone for finishing this uh, uh, beautiful, uh, complex, sophisticated Masechta. He on that we should come back to this daf in seven and a half years. Mazel tov. Yashkoach, yashkoach.